Sweet sassy Tallahassee, we've got a great show for you today. It's October 29th, 2020, and welcome to the OmniTalk Fast Five, the podcast where we debate the top headlines in the world of retail. Some of what we say might be right, some of what we say might be wrong, but what matters most is the conversation. The OmniTalk Fast Five is sponsored by Fast Sensor and Takeoff. Fast Sensor is the first AI-powered business intelligence platform that provides business owners with ROI-focused optimization tools organization. With FastSensor, you can successfully monitor safety, efficiency, and journeys from customer flow to queue management to the effectiveness of digital signage and promotions. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more about each, visit FastSensor.com or Takeoff.com. All right, I am your host today, Chris Walton, and I am joined as always by my partner in crime, Anne Mazinga, Emma the intern, and we also have a very special guest, which we'll get to in a second. But first, Anne and Emma, can you believe The Mandalorian season two is now only one day away. How excited are you? I put on my orange Dutch tracksuit just for the occasion, which has nothing to do with it. But that's what we're I I, that's what we're celebrating. I thought you were gonna start leading off with it's Halloween and you're dressed up as one of the Royal Tenenbaums because that get up that you've got on today is Burn, no. I, it's a little no, extra. Sure our international flair. We have a guest today from across the pond. I put on this. This oh, is like man. 15 years old please, for those watching our video. Stop putting on things for our guests or we're not going to have any more. I'm really. <laughs> I should put something on, right? Like I got to put something True. on. True. <laughs> fair. Fair. But you, right. should intru- you should introduce our guest. All right. Well, I am happy to. Our guest today is Oliver Banks. And Oliver, like I said, comes to us from the UK. He's our brother from another mother, and he is the host of one of my favorite podcasts in retail, the Retail Transformation Show. So, Ali, how are you doing today? I'm doing amazingly, Chris, and I'm so glad that everyone is wearing clothes today. So that is a good day. (laughs) It it is a good day. Now, Ali, not everyone listening might be familiar with who you are and what you do. tell, Tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So I'm Oliver Banks. I'm based in the UK and I'm a retail transformation specialist. I help retailers to make make their transformation goals a reality through effective, effectively delivering their programs and updating and upgrading their operating models. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, I also run a podcast called The Retail Transformation Show as well. So uh, it's great to be on the other side of the table for a change. And uh, it's a real honor to be joining you guys here today. So thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, and I've been on your show and now we're turning, you know, returning the favor and having you here today. I can't wait. We've talked about if we can ever get through this virus thing. Hopefully we can do it live in person, possibly even in a British pub at some point. But uh, yeah, hey, man, <laughs> <laughs> today's show is filled with the headlines, too. I mean, I got to say, in my three years of doing this, I, I, and I know you agree, too. I don't think we've ever seen uh, as many just like just headlines that can really impact retail over the next uh, few years. Uh, but before we get to that, I've made a few questions for Ollie, just so I, I want the audience to get a sense of who he is, how he rolls, and how much Ooh. fun we're going to have here today as we're talking about <laughs> the insights. So, Ollie, are you ready? Just rapid fire <laughs> three questions sure. I made just for you. Are you Let's ready? Let's go for, for it. Let's do it. All right. First question. <laughs> Guy Ritchie, 
Overrated or underrated? Overrated. Oh, why? Ooh, fantastic. I didn't expect you to say that. I, I think he's uh, it, gone off a bit, to be honest. I think probably rewind the clock, what, 10, 15 years or whatever, and yeah. uh, he was on point. He's kind of just disappeared from now. Just can't capture the magic he once had. Okay, That's fair it. enough, yeah, yeah. fair enough. I would, I think I would agree with that. First, Lockstock was great, but really hasn't ever caught, caught that in a bottle again, that lightning. All right, question exactly. two. Some people would say question two as opposed to question three. <laughs> question two, how big of a national hero is John Cleese? Oh, <laughs> uh, interesting one. So um, I'll tell you, yeah, he's a pretty big, pretty big national hero. He's, he's had his challenges, though, with uh, faulty towers coming under modern day inspection going, actually, this isn't very PC. This is a little racist or a bit offensive. <laughs> so I think that's probably tarnished his crown a little, to be honest, Chris. <laughs> is that right? Really? That's still coming back to, to get him. Wow, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Right. Fascinating. All right, question three. This is my favorite one, and now we'll get to the headlines. And thanks to everyone listening for indulging me, but this is my sense of humor, and I love doing this kind of stuff. <laughs> and you don't get the chance that often. you got to love what you do. Question three. Any relation to David Tomlinson, who played... Mr. Banks in Mary Poppins. No. No. Dang. <laughs> I figured it was a long shot. I figured we'd give it a go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, first, first the orange jumpsuit and then that question. <laughs> Oliver, I'm please at- come back and continue the show. Please, please do it. We're I'm concerned. But I'm 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 psyched. <laughs> I, I think we can we can only go up from here. <laughs> Oh, You're man. right. You absolutely can. There's nowhere to go, go, nowhere to go but up from here. It's awesome. Got such a great sense of humor. That was great. I think it's my favorite question of all time. All right. Well, let's get to the headlines. I think I've got fun. the first one this week, right, guys? If I'm not mistaken. So this Thank week, you. this week was huge in the world of social commerce. So some big announcements. We won't go into all of them. We're going to talk about them generally. The big one, TikTok, is now partnering with Shopify on social commerce. We also saw this week, Duncan, Duncan aka Dunkin' Donuts, is now paying its employees to post on TikTok. WhatsApp is now opening up in-app shopping shopping features. And this one was cool too. LG TV has launched ShopTime on its television sets featuring QVC and HSN. Why don't we give our guests the honors first? Ollie, what's your take on all these stories collectively? Well, boom time, I tell you, for social commerce. It's, it's a really exciting time for this thing that's been sort of building hype, but it's, you know, we've, we've seen a few things with Instagram and so on, but now it feels like people are starting to get it and all these sort of, we could do this and we could do that are starting to come to fruition. So for me, really big stories, but actually it's not so much the exact stories that are really big here, but it's actually about really embedding social commerce into people's lives and they will be building familiarity every time they come across you know is it the lg example or tiktok whatever it is they are going to be becoming more and more conscious of hey i can do shopping in this way because it's much easier or it just flows through and it's a one one click thing i don't even realize i'm doing it perhaps so i think it's really exciting from that perspective that's the key they might not even know right that's what's crazy and what do you think I think this is huge and actually less on the TikTok side than it is on the Shopify side. I mean, I don't know if you guys have paid attention to the Shopify stock, but since March, it's almost doubled 
when you look at all of the announcements that they've made, they're the fulfillment or uh, payments provider for all the Facebook shops for Facebook obviously owns WhatsApp. You also have Shopify just kind of creating this ecosystem around enabling social commerce to happen. They are the backbone for everybody from your biggest retail players to the small mom and pops to influencers who are now becoming retailers, getting on a platform and being able to sell anything anytime, anywhere. And especially as we really get into this like social commerce being discovery happening online. Um, and that will just continue to grow, I think, especially in the next couple of months when, you know, in the US, I think we're projected to spend 20% more time this year on our social platforms than we ever have. Um, so I think it's it's something to pay close attention to, especially as we get into the payment space and really look at the other tools and plugins that Shopify is enabling and then how consumers shop. And, you know, I think in the past we talked about shop pay and, you know, is this something that can take over? But as we start to think about how you're going to be checking out at all these places, having a simplified checkout like shop pay is now even more lucrative, I think, than ever. Great point. Yeah, it is amazing just how many tentacles Shopify now has out there in the world. Like it's pretty damn impressive. Emma, what do you what do you think? You're kind of, you know, you've kind of played around in, in these types of spaces, even just entrepreneurially. What where where's your head at with all these things this week? I of course love all of these. You know, shopping through social apps is so fun and like it's entertaining and it's different from the traditional ways of shopping. And I also like Shopify is a brilliant company. I admire what they do. Like hello, Instagram and Facebook shop. This is another kind of direct competition with that. But I think this is definitely like the future. Which they're also connected to. Yeah, right. Right. Definitely the future of shopping because it's just so different, new and fun. I think the other two things that I want to get you guys takes on too, is like, I think, I think it's really cool that Dunkin' Donuts is saying, Hey, be our ambassadors, right? You guys are TikTok. I mean, you guys are out there, do it, put things out on TikTok, help share a brand story. Like what's the harm in that? You know, I think, I think that's cool. I think that's something that, you know, more companies could leverage and and take quote unquote some risk with. But the other thing that's really cool to me, and, and I know this was cool to you too, is like the LG story is fascinating to me. We've talked all the time on this program about, what are those moments that different retailers own your life? And I don't know about you and, and Ollie, I'm curious too in the UK, what this is like for you, but like for me, that sitting down in front of the television is still a thing, but what's becoming less and less of a thing is the channel surfing and more what apps do I want to engage with on that television screen? And where do I spend my time in that moment? And so it's cool to see like QVC and HSM have always owned that through the surf now going into that space too. And that's still a space. It just seems like it's wide open, but I don't know, Ollie, maybe, maybe we'll go to you first on that one. What do you, what's, what's your perspective on that last point from the UK standpoint? Yeah, well, I think it's, um, you know, the, the TV is still the screen that perhaps demands the most sort of deep, deep uh, concentration within our lives, mm. you know, sitting, paying attention to it for, you know, an hour plus a day. I don't know what the average numbers are, to be honest, but I think actually it's about turning up where customers are already. And, you know, retail's always done that, right? Through ads, et cetera, on TV. And now it's just a, a slightly more interactive way of, of turning up where customers are when they're sitting down relaxing. Right. And you gave up cable a long time ago. Like, how do you think about that whole thing? 
Well, I think what I love about this is actually just how it already weaves itself into the patterns and behaviors that we already have. You, you're used to going to Amazon you know, Prime Video and clicking on a movie you want to watch and downloading it. So that behavior seems normal. So I think that that was really smart for QVC and HSN to kind of move into this platform. I still mm. think that there's like this step removed where you... I don't know how many people are going to be like, yes, let me go shop online right away. I, you know, I don't know what right. that will reflect in, in viewership or participation, but I think it makes sense just in terms of, of normal patterns and behaviors. And it certainly makes more sense to me than yelling at Amazon Alexa to <laughs> buy that thing off of TV. <laughs> like that right. to me Shout is an to SNL skit right, yeah. waiting to happen. Shout- yeah, shout out to Carter who wanted us to talk about that on this week's episode. Yeah, like, the, yeah, but yeah, I mean, that you're right. But how do you actually close the transaction on television? I think is still, you know, a really open, it's a really open question. And Gary, well, Gary Newberry, shout out to him too. He wanted us to talk about TikTok and what this means for Amazon. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I think it's, it's interesting in that Shopify is carving out its niche against Amazon. And you have to remember, like Shopify is the, the shop, basically. It is what it is. Like Amazon has been the fulfillment for small, you know, businesses it, you know, this is different. And so I, you know, I don't think it's just a death knell. Some people have been saying on LinkedIn for Amazon or look out Amazon, but like, this is, this is unique and you're shaking your head. I'm going to disagree with you on that. I mean, I think that, I think that it's a bigger deal than a lot of people are giving it credit for. No, is it the final death, you know, blow for Amazon? Probably not, but it's going to pretty much give people the ecosystem of options of fulfillment to sell themselves versus going and selling products on Amazon, which people are having a really hard time with right now, especially when it comes to owning your customer data and information and to be able to keep on to that information by using various plugins within Shopify and being able to put your product out on do live streaming, all these other features and functionality all the way to like how you're handling fulfillment and follow up with customers. I, I think it's a bigger deal not yeah it's interesting like long term like yeah amazon doesn't have that social network and you see it's still just going more towards logistics and backbone and convenience and that kind of thing we'll see or you know going more into physical retail than it has all right well let's hey, keep can on I, can rolling. i ask you guys a quick question on the yeah, social go for it, what do you what do you reckon about you know we've we got tiktok uh shopify this week we've had shopify walmart recently we've had walmart tiktok sort of will they won't they who knows what do you reckon about this triple threat, three in a bed situation that we've got going on with these? Do you, do, do you see this going a long way? I think that part is fascinating. And thanks for bringing that up too, because we should have done that in the show. Is like, yeah, you have to remember too that Shopify has that partnership partnership with Walmart that they announced a few a few months ago. And so now that that plays into this. So like, you know, now if you're on Shopify, you can get distribution to in Walmart, returns in Walmart, which they've said can happen. You know, you can now, Walmart's got a part of TikTok too. So they're going to want to facilitate that and get a piece of that pie in the same way. Yeah, I think you're absolutely 100% correct. Like that's another important element of this conversation. Yeah, I for me, it goes back to the ecosystem that they're creating, Oliver, where it's just like, you know, you've got the all those the Walmart store locations, you have the combination of Walmart and entertainment that they can help put out via their platforms mm. uh, with TikTok. And then I think you have Shopify, again, enabling shopability for every single point within that whole line. 
Yeah, it reminds me of that some advice somebody gave me like four years ago, starting out as an entrepreneur. Like, would you rather be the house or be the tool that everyone uses to build the house? And my God, Shopify feels like the tool that everyone needs now to do so many different things. I think that's that's the takeaway here. All right, Emma. Whole Foods. You want to take us to the next one? Yes. Speaking of Amazon. Yes. In the battle to get your groceries to you as fast as possible with you doing the least amount of work, Whole Foods has rolled out one-hour pickup chain-wide. Specifically, Prime members can now pick up their groceries within one hour after ordering them for orders over $35. So this I'm excited about because I am someone I almost always use Whole Foods Amazon because Target never, like their fridges are always full when I want to do kind of order pickups. But I always pick the one-hour delivery window. But I'm that person that needs their groceries for dinner at like 4 p.m. And... (laughs) Amazon Whole Foods gives you a pickup window of like 10 to 11 p.m. That's not fast enough, but I could go pick it up within one hour. So I think this is really cool and definitely a game changer for this whole entire like grocery pickup. Um, so you love this. Okay. I definitely want to get your take because the UK, you guys are so much farther advanced than we are over here. But Anne, you're, you're, you kind of, you, you indulge it, indulge in kind of this Whole Foods Amazon thing quite a lot. Like what, what, what are your thoughts here? When I heard this headline, I was almost as shocked as I was when I came on the Zoom call and saw your orange jumper. Um, wow. I was, I was, very, a lot. I was so surprised. And I think the thing for me that I think this is going to change more than anything is what the actual infrastructure and footprint of our grocery stores looks like. Because to fulfill orders in one hour or less, this is going to start to, these, as we know, Amazon always is. Amazon's going to start doing this and then every other grocer is going to have to start to figure out how they try to do the same thing. And you can't accomplish one hour ordering and pick up like they're trying to do without doing some major changes to how your store is set up. So for me, that's what I'll be, I'll be watching. And, um, you know, somebody had to do it first and I think Whole Foods and Amazon are, are going to do it. That's a really great point. Yeah. Like to to continue to do this nationwide at scale with like human manual picking, that seems like a very difficult thing to do. Ollie, what have you seen over there in the UK where this, I mean, this development scale, like, yeah, one Mm. to 10 night and day. Yeah. I mean, we've obviously over, over the whole coronavirus thing, we've kind of seen so many of the big supermarkets really double down on both deliveries and, and the click and collect options. Um, And Absolutely. You know, we've seen some just some massive wins by different companies. So I think Tesco up to a million and a half. I think they basically doubled the amount of capacity they've had in the past few months. Um, million and a half slots a week they're doing now. So they're doing some really amazing things. And and we're continuing to see things. So we've got Deliveroo doing quick drop offs of uh, lots of sort of small, small shops. Uh, we've got a frozen food retailer, Iceland here who are rumoured to be doing something, probably a delivery basis, but sounds super fast, uh, called Swift. So it'd be interesting to see where that comes. So I think it's it's a trend that, you know, as we've seen with the whole number of days delivery over the past few years, it's a trend now that sits in grocery of who's going to get faster and faster, who's going to offer the first half an hour pickup time. <sighs> you know, it's like, where does it stop for me? It's how how, how fast can we go? And what's the cost to the retailer? 
Yeah, that's the question I, that I wanted to ask you guys. Like Emma's answer kind of, quite frankly, surprised me a little bit in terms of like that's her behavior. Like, and I actually just wrote about this too. Like, Takeoff, you know, our sponsor did a really cool research study where they did a conjoint analysis of the different utilities people get for the different like lengths of time for delivery and pickup. And I'm curious, we should just do an informal poll here, but like, yeah, where does it matter? Because for me, when you start talking about an hour, to me, that's all about probably, maybe I'm wrong about this too. Maybe it is more about pickup than it is about delivery when you start talking an hour, because, you know, maybe that I just do need it quickly. And so I want to just drive right there and I need to get it now. Yeah. but, But to me, like, it seems like as long as I am same day with groceries, I'm pretty good. I guess I want to be able to schedule it within my time frame that I do want, like Emma was talking about, but maybe we'll just go left to right on my screen. How do you guys think about what I'm saying? Where is the cutoff? Like all he's talking about, like, and you go first. I think that right now is a hard time to make this call because people's yeah. patterns and behaviors are not the same. So it doesn't matter when your delivery window is when you're home all day. But if you think about a normal setting where I'm about to leave work, like Emma yeah. said, I know, or school, I know I need these few things for pickup. And in many cases, you know, you, you don't end yeah. up doing the curbside pickup because you don't know that it's going to be ready in an hour or less. So I don't know that I'm going to like need it in 30 minutes necessarily, but knowing that it's enough time for me to wrap up my day, get to my car, get to the store or pick up my kids and then go get to the store. I think that the one hour is going to be a huge deal. So you're right. It is a pickup. That's why I love doing this show. I find some piece of insight that I never expected. Emma, is that kind of where your head's at too? Yeah, I would totally agree. And I think my specific kind of shopping behavior for groceries is very like, as I just said, specific where I can't plan for anything. And I'm always kind of out and about and I'm like, oh, I would, I would like to stop somewhere on my way back, get the groceries and just be done with it rather than having to wait for that delivery. Yeah. Ollie, what about you? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Picking up off of what Anne was saying about actually when life does return to whatever form of normal we, we can look forward to, actually, are there going to be pinch points towards the end of the day where actually everyone's looking to pick dinner up yeah. at that same slot all at the same time and actually suddenly... Oh, by the way, also lots of customers are in the shop at that time anyways. Oh my goodness. How am I going to actually fulfill all these orders? And could it be customer frustration and disappointment just waiting in the wings to happen? That's why I think the infrastructure thing is such a big deal. Yeah. You know, they're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. You're going to have to fundamentally change this. And my God, the other thing I'm starting to think about too is like the impulse purchase. My God, if you're in the impulse purchase business and that's this type of thing that starts to take off, like, whoa. Like not as many candy bars in that bag as you're coming home from work, you know, like versus like we saw in the past probably. So, or opportunity. What? Yeah. With every problem, there's an opportunity, right? Yeah. 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 No, for sure. You could give snack bags away for the way home. I mean, there's ways to do it. You just got to be creative. Yeah. Or you do it through social commerce when you're really hungry and it then delivers to you in like 20 (laughs) minutes or less, right? Like give me that fix. You know, that's how it works. Right. All right, let's keep on rolling. I think this is a really cool story this week. I've got this one. It's Happy Returns announced that it is expanding its network of return bars with its new collaboration with FedEx. So basically what that means is that by the end of October, shoppers will be able to bring their online returns to more than 2,000 FedEx office stores nationwide, which also, and this is cool, 
includes more than 340 Walmart stores that have FedEx office locations also inside of them. And I know you love this. Yeah. Well, we, we, I want our listeners to pay attention to an interview that we'll have coming out with the co-founder of Happy Returns, uh, David Sobe, who's going to talk to us about this. But one of my questions for David yesterday, and what I think is so compelling about this offering now is that, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of my day when I'm out running errands is planned around returns. So I think when you think about a lot of consumers, that return is generally you know, a sizable amount of money. You know, if you're going to go make a return, it's, you know, 30 to $40, we'll say, for something that you ordered on Amazon Prime Day that showed up and was a total disaster. So you think about the other things when you're, how much time you have and what you're trying to accomplish in that time. And I think what's a particular note is these Walmart shop and shops for these FedEx locations, where now I can go and return my Amazon package, which I have to do. And now the rest of my, you know, my list, my to-do list of picking up something for the arts and crafts projects for daycare or picking up the last few grocery items. Now I'm choosing a destination because I can accomplish all of those things in one place. And that's what I think is going to be really unique about this. Yeah. I think the other thing too, for the retailers listening, you know, we're talking a lot, we talk a lot and we're talking a lot from consumer side, but too, for the retailers listening, this is pretty freaking cool for a couple of reasons. One, and we'll go through this on the podcast with David, but like the experience is totally contactless. So you just bring it in. It doesn't have to be boxed. It doesn't have to be packaged. You don't need a label. If you're working with happy returns, you just show a barcode at the FedEx place. They scan it. They take the product, put it in a bag. You don't even have to, one person doesn't have to touch another thing. Boom, done. That saves you a ton of money because the consumer is basically doing the last part of the last mile for you. And that is huge. And this gets you density too. Like you're talking FedEx, we're talking hundreds of locations in like New York, Manhattan. You can't just do that and build that yourself. So this is something cool that I think people need to take a look at. But Ali, what's what's happening on this side and over across the pond in the UK? Like what's going on with returns from your standpoint? Well I think it's 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 obviously a, an eternal challenge. What's sitting in my head to be to be perfectly honest, and it's not necessarily UK centric, is yeah. do we need to be a little bit more careful about how easy we make returns as an industry. Mm. Do we want to actually semi make it a little bit hard to discourage that big problem that it comes back with in, ter- in terms of grading, in terms of restocking, in terms of damages, in terms of obviously cash flow? Da, da, da. What is, I don't know. For me, there's a limit to how much frictionless returns we, <laughs> we want to go after. It's, yeah, it's interesting, especially when you start talking about like sustainability and all those angles too. Like, Emma, you have any thoughts on that in terms of what he's saying? I mean, you're kind of, you know, the different generation from the three of us. What do you, what do you think about that question? What are you saying? I've got some thoughts. <laughs> I definitely love the idea of returns being as easy as possible, but I can't lie. That has crossed my mind before where I'm like, why is it so easy? Does it really need to be that easy? I don't know. Right. Well, I guess, you know, as a brand, you can decide, right? Like, I mean, you can decide where you want to play on that spectrum. So I think you still ultimately have the power. Mm. I think the interesting part about that is I talk about the psychology of why, you know, physical retails and retail stores and digital stores exist. And I was talking about the five dimensions, right? Inspiration. I think I talked about this on your podcast. I like inspiration, convenience, media gratification, the experience of being somewhere. And then the the other one is taxing, right? The ability to touch and feel product and get confidence in what you're buying. I think the fascinating thing about the return discussion is that it always been the bastion of physical retail, but with return models, 
you know, starting to evolve, that, that gets chipped away. And so it actually does make our lives more convenient. And it feels like in the context of all these conversations, anytime convenience gets chipped away and we can do it without going to a store, it feels like that wins. Um, so you're right. I don't know. Maybe we don't need it all the time and maybe it's dependent on the brand, but it feels like there's a there there that is left to be cracked based on how we've just seen, you know, digital commerce continue to evolve mm. and any closing thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's easy to say that if you have a, if you have physical stores and people have that option too, I think that, yeah, a lot of, too. a lot of these, these companies are D2C brands who don't have the investments that they they didn't make the investment in physical retail. And so, yes, you know, e-commerce, not not hugely profitable, but if you don't have some of the other employee costs um, or store management or real estate costs or leasing that you're paying, you know, this this gives you gives customers confidence in trying a product that they may not have tried before, especially as we start to bring social commerce into this. And if you're seeing things and being inspired online and you're seeing things, you know, via your TikTok videos and you're buying that, you don't have the option to return it. I don't, I don't know that that's going to make for successful social commerce, but I, I totally get it though. I think that there's definitely some thought that needs to be put into the amount of returning that we're doing for sure. Fascinating how these stories come together. All right, Anne, you want to take us to story number four? Okay, story number four, Amazon is going to pay you for your shopper data. I mean, they're already collecting it anyway, so they might as well give you $10, right? Um, So Amazon just launched their Amazon Shopper Panel. It's an app that customers can download from the App Store, and it'll let you upload 10 receipts per month from purchases made at non-Amazon retailers. So you can't upload any Whole Foods, Amazon Go, or any of those stores, but you can upload receipts from grocery stores, drug stores, department stores, and even entertainment destinations, which is interesting. So everything from theme parks to restaurants to movie theaters, um, you take a picture of your receipt and for every 10 receipts that you get, you'll get a $10 credit to Amazon, or you can donate that $10 to a charity. Now for me, this was, I mean, it's not surprising. There's tons of, of companies out there right now that, you know, let you upload your, your receipt and they are, you know, giving you that option to, um, to get some sort of reward for giving your, your shopping data outside of that one particular retailer. But I think ultimately it shows you the value of this data for Amazon, that they're even willing to go to this very old school way of collecting information um, or at least giving customers the impression that they're, they're asking you for it instead of just taking it based on all of the other things that they have running in the background. So, um, so yeah, curious what you guys think, uh, Oliver, what's going on in the UK as far as uh, receipts? Like, do you guys have this practice? It feels to me a bit like submitting expenses. <laughs> I, I, I think it's really interesting. So I don't think the, the program is going to be available in the UK, to be honest. But um, I, I think it's I think it, it's a matter of time, right? It's, yeah. It feels like it's a big data gathering exercise. Uh, we all know Amazon's obviously hugely data hungry at the, at the very best of times. And I was digging into some of their terms and conditions, actually just to to understand a bit more. And I'm going to read directly from their terms, which says, we may use the information you provide uh, to help us build models about which group of customers are likely to be interested in certain products. (laughs) It's like, that's what they're doing then. (laughs) Right. So, you know, more relevant ads, 
probably you know looking at which which categories to jump into i think that the hospitality piece is really interesting um yeah I, i've not i've not seen anything quite so aggressive as this uh before certainly it's only this side of the pond yeah emma what about you are you going to upload your amazon or your grocery store receipts to the amazon app for the ten dollar credit I am like totally good with giving them my data. However, $10, like that's nothing. Like I feel oh, like- Oh man, really? You don't even want 10 bucks? No, if it were like maybe 20, maybe. <laughs> like $10, eh. Just so you should like, like, be more. Like you should be able yeah. to get more for this. I need to- an insult. Like you just, I deserve <laughs> yeah, like Make it worth my while as you go along. Oh, I think man. it's interesting because you're going to, by, by putting it at 10, 10 bucks, you're going to be targeting a very specific customer niche, right? In terms of the price point, who's going to be bothered to do that for 10 bucks? Yeah, good point. Which you could get, which could get you a lot of data real fast still to that point. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, yeah. Hey, I think I just love about this. They, they'll try anything. These guys, you know, they'll try anything <laughs> and see what happens in the middle world and, uh, you know, see what, see if it works. All right, this is my this next story to close us out. I think this is going to be fun. We could have a lot of good discussions here. Really interesting story in the media. I think you're seeing this start to pop a lot now. Uh, Sam's Club announced this week that it is deploying 372 autonomous floor scrubbers to its fleet of stores. Expansion will result in a floor scrubber now in nearly all of the retailers' 600 stores. The other cool part of this announcement is that it is also, Sam's Club that is, expanding a six-month retail shelf analytics pilot using BrainCorp's innovative floor scrubber accessory for localizing and analyzing shelf inventory with the goal of improving in-store shopping experience. So by that, I mean, aka, knowing what products are on the shelf and how accurate things like pricing are as well. This is probably the third now big announcement we've seen from some of the robotics companies. We've talked about Badger. We've had them on the show a lot. Simbi had some big announcements, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago with Schnucks. Robots. Ollie, buying or selling robots? What do you think here? I, I love the idea of robots. I think there's so much scope for using them in retail. Um, when I first moved into, into the world of retail at Tesco, my very first project was a, a big robot investigation how could we use them what could we do what's technically feasible in the world and things have just come on so so far and you know it's really exciting to see all these different types of robots specifically on the floor scrubbing robots you know really i think it absolutely is is a great use case i remember actually being at an exhibition last year back in one of those times i used to go to a room full of (laughs) people used to have them (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) And I remember seeing this stand of, you know, you know, the, the sit on, ride on floor scrubbers. And I just thought, how long is this really a job at a viable market for a person to be driving one of these around around a store? How long until it just is just normal commonplace to have a robot doing it? Because it's it's not, you know, you can't engage a customer whilst driving one around. You don't really want to be driving them around with customers anyway. I think it makes total sense and I don't think it'll be too long before that's just the, the standard way of operating, to be honest. Yeah, you're buying then. And what do you think? You know, I love robots. And 
Oliver, you're right. I mean, what a thing to put on a resume. I led a robot investigation. I mean, I think that that is, I love, I love robots too. I think that they're You're incredible. like Blade Runner, Ollie. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I was actually, I mean, I think that the, the floor scrubbing robots makes sense in terms of the inventory question though. I, you know, I know that they've already done a lot of work to figure out, um, inventory and, and monitoring that closely pricing those kinds of things within, um, the Sam's club now store. So I'm curious, like how all of these things triangulate, what's the data from the shelf sensors with what's the data that, you know, they're, they're using in the Sam's club now stores. Um, so I think it's I think it's cool. It makes sense. Um, we're definitely going to be seeing more of these robots in all of our retail locations. So um, yeah, so you think I so? Mean, yeah. Okay. Sure. Emma, what Emma? Like, are you? I'm curious. Less app, more app, indifferent to shopping a store that has a robot roaming the aisle. I'm pretty indifferent to it. I will say I do really like the idea of these cleaning robots because like one of the worst parts of an entry-level retail job is cleaning. However, yep. I do have this like nightmarish image of like. 500 like Roombas going around a Walmart <laughs> bumping into each other and stepping on them. Like that's what I envision. But yeah, if you can get oh, that'd be a great rid skin. of scrubbing the floor, I'm for it. I was just so expecting great. them to be in the, the Sam's Club like pop-up Christmas vacation catalog, the like VR catalog that they put out. I was a little disappointed not to see them. But <laughs> not to see that oh, in there. Well. Yeah, yeah, for home purchasing. Uh, yeah, no, I would. Okay, that's cool. That's interesting. Like, it's a good pulse when we're all kind of going in that same direction. I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, I think, I think uh, the big aha for me over the last couple of months is how there's just it's not an either either or answer in terms of what technology are you going to bet on. It's you're probably going to use some combination of them. And I think the thing with the robots is you're able to do some things at a scale that you can't do with human labor that you can't do with certain types of deployments as well. Um, you know, and so they're a nice complimentary thing to get the menial tasks. Like, like you said, I'm floor scrubbing that you don't want to get done done, but then also to get some of the data that you are interested in figuring out how it can impact your business accomplished in a different way. So it's cool to hear that all of us are kind of thinking the same way on that one. All right. Well, that closes us up. Ollie, any big plans this weekend as you head, as we head into, we're heading into Halloween this week, right guys? Ollie, what you got planned? Me? Uh, I, th- I think uh, I'm, do- I'm doing a lot of work on my house, so uh, be-, be nailing down with the tools. Are you <laughs> recording this? On- Are you going to record it, Ollie? Ollie has a YouTube channel that he just started on the side where he it fixes <laughs> things around his house and like talks about his retail experiences, buying the <laughs> products for his house quick plug but that's pretty incredible yeah you're like the taylor swift moment (laughs) yeah you're like the taylor swift of the uk like some of us just eat ice cream and buy things online in quarantine and ollie started a separate video channel you know (laughs) casually yeah he's 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 like a social commerce influencer for like lodge (laughs) lodge uh lodge home furnishings check it out in the back if you're watching the video it's pretty cool all right well that wraps us up ollie thanks so much for being with us today that was fun that's one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded i had a blast and i thought it was cool in terms of the way we went into so many of the angles of the various discussions why i love doing this show a big happy birthday today to some really big faves of mine personally winona ryder Vanola Hughes, my favorite Charlie's Angel growing up, Kate Jackson, and of course, the great Richard Dreyfus. Oh my! Remember, gosh. if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omni Talk, and if you can listen to two, make it the Retail Transformation Show. 
Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you, all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And, of course, be careful out there.